Support for MPB comes from the Mississippi Museum of Art in Jackson. What Became of Dr. Smith by artist Noah Satterstrom is on view now through September 22, 2024. Learn more at msmuseumart.org. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Welcome to the Mississippi Arts Hour on MPB Radio, where each week we talk to a musician, artist, author, or other creative Mississippian working in the arts across the state. I'm your host, Melody Moody Thordis, Director of Grants at the Mississippi Arts Commission. And today I'm speaking with artist, photographer, and activist Talamika Bryce. Talamika, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. Well, um, I want to get. I want to talk a little bit about the art that you do and the, and the business that you own and projects you're involved with. But for our listeners, let's just start at the beginning. So, why don't you tell me a little bit about uh, growing up in uh, Kilmichael? Is that right? Yeah, one L, not two. <laughs> <laughs> uh, wow, growing up in Kilmichael, Mississippi, it's such an interesting place. Originally, most of my family is from Duck Hill, Mississippi. So when my parents separated, my mother moved to kill Michael, and, I, you know, I followed along with her. And it was such a, an interesting place. There's so much that I learned about it. It was black and white, literally, in mm-hmm. a sense, that there were clear lines of divisions among community. And um, growing up in that, marinating in that, has really shaped a lot of how I see the world today and how I approach my art one of the things that I loved the most about it, because it was one of those schools that were really small, it had the largest graduating class of like 40 people. So, woohoo, class of 98. Um, We were really small, and uh, one class that I really fell in love with was English, particularly Shakespeare. Mm -hmm. And like Maya Angelou, I felt like Shakespeare had to be a black woman because nobody writes pain (laughs) like Shakespeare. And my favorite sonnet of his is the end of sonnet 18. And it says, so long as man can breathe and eyes can see, so long lives this and this gives life to thee. So growing up in that small town, uh, taking in art where I could find it because we were severely underfunded, it really gave me a catalyst and a lens for moving forward in life. So whenever I create any brand, take any photo, paint any picture, I'm a scribe in a sense. A lot of us artists, we are scribes for this time and what's going on in this world and recording. And through those aspects, through those things, through those creations, leave a, a blip, uh, a handprint, so to uh, so to say, in this this uh, part of life, in the cave of life of where we are now. I think I said it best in a handprint in the cave of now. Every piece is a handprint in the cave of now. Wow, that's beautiful. So you said, you know, I know you said that the schools were kind of underfunded, so the access to the art sounds like it was slightly limited. What kind of um, what kind of things did you find yourself kind of drawn to uh, as a young young person? Well, my my parents are both beautiful people, and they did the best that they could. Like, my my mother is still alive. My father is deceased. But there were a lot of issues with uh, my dad and just things that I didn't understand and and how he had to um, deal with life. So a lot of things I was drawn to came from my mother and her being a single parent. And as a parent now, I understand one of the things to keep me occupied, she'd give me paper 
and pencils and say, draw something or write something for mom. Mm-hmm. And I started processing my feelings and the world around me through that. So I was really drawn to that. And, of course, Bob Ross. I mean, <laughs> I was there for Bob Ross on Saturday mornings. Who could not forget Bob Ross? And just knowing that that art was out there. And my mom really was great in just feeding my art. Like, my allowance money, when I make my little money, I go to Walmart and get the little craft paints uh-huh. and, and make stuff. And I really was drawn to portraits then, just painting the people around me and doing a lot of writing, like writing what I saw behind around me. Right. I remember uh, drawing as a kid and... Um, getting my great-grandmother to judge, you know, my mm-hmm. drawing versus my brother who had no interest in being an artist. And it took me years to realize they were just saying mine and then his and then my, you know, even, you know, and I'm like trying to get better and better and better. Um, you know, so it, it really resonates with me, just that, that idea of kind of drawing everything you can kind yeah. of as a kid. Um, so between kind of that time and the time you pursue graphic design at Jackson State, what kind of what kind of things were you doing then? Like, did you know, for example, um, like your interest in graphic design prior to going Absolutely to Absolutely not. <laughs> I had no. I didn't even know what graphic design was. I had gotten to the age. I was about 16 or 17, and, you know, then you get all the questions. Well, what are you going to do with your life? Mm-hmm. And I had no idea. But I did not want to be an artist. Mm-hmm. I wanted to work in computers. And I got this little magazine in the mail. I found it the other day when going through my mom's old stuff, and it was like Careers of the Future, and it had computer animation. And the only program that had computer something close to computer animation in the state of Mississippi at the time was Mississippi State University. So it's like, okay, I'm going there. So I had my room, filled out my voucher, my student loans, all that good stuff. And lo and behold, JSU sent me this letter in the mail and offered me a full academic scholarship. Wow. And with that scholarship, they had a list of you could take art, and these are the different careers that can lead to other things. And one of the things that they had on there was graphic design. So uh, when I first got to JSU, who really helped me to fall in love with graphic design is my first graphic design teacher, John Jennings. He had such an amazing appreciation for font and function and color theory and shade. And right now he's one of the premier premier artists. He's in San Francisco. He's done work in Chicago and New York, and he's just awesome all around. I still keep in touch with him. But that's what really made me see the power of design and fall in love with it. I always, um, when I was in school doing art, I I didn't take a graphic design class because I I didn't feel comfortable with computers and I and I think I thought art had to be with my hands in a mm-hmm. different way. Did you ever struggle with that kind of it seems like a lot of the work you do goes back and forth between like it does. tactile and computers. It, it does. And I think it's when you when you, as an artist, as a person, as you grow and learn more about yourself, it's interchangeable. And one of the things about Jackson State University's program is even though your major was graphic design, you still had to take drawing and mm-hmm. fine art. 
as part of the curriculum. And that really strengthened me. And I know I'm jumping ahead a bit, but when it came to the Obama mural, the way that it was laid out was a combination of all those factors together. Oh, wow. okay. So it was a bit of photography and me finding one of my favorite photos of him. It was a bit of design and going and looking in the app and doing my colors because the colors are totally tricked out from the photo. Uh-huh. And then it was also a bit of design when it came to the typography layout because I really wanted that to jump out. And I thought about the community and how a lot of people grew up reading newspapers and how strong Times New Roman is in that aspect. So it's just I really wanted all the colors, all those aspects came together within that particular project. So one hand really fed the other. And it it really helps me to be able to switch lanes is what I've learned for myself personally. Yeah, that's really interesting. And then you had the the end result is the paint on, you know, you're actually painting the walls yes. from all of that. So, yeah, that's really interesting. Now, you met your husband, Charles, at JSU, is that right? I did. And was he in the same, art, he was in the art department as well? He was. See, I'm going to beat him to it. If he was here, he'll tell you this long, drawn-out story <laughs> about me standing in a doorway with a belly chain on. He always said, <laughs> tells that story. And he's like, that's going to be my wife. My interpretation of it is I thought he was a little boy and I was wondering why he was staring at me. And I later carded him to make sure he was legal. Um, wow. <laughs> <laughs> and you're both storytellers, so you can weave that, yeah. that tale. <laughs> yeah. So um, Charles is one of the greatest, easily the greatest artist I've ever met in my life. He's good and he's able to interchange with a lot of things. And what he sucks at, I'm strong at, and vice versa. Mm -hmm. So we're able to feed off each other. He was also a competitor. And we're still like that to this day when it comes to, if we're doing a wedding, who gets the best shot? Mm -hmm. Um, Whose painting idea? I get really tickled because it was my Obama design. It ultimately won. I I read that, that you both submitted different. But mine won. And then he came back and said, so you know we're doing this right. (laughs) You won, but we're We're doing doing this this. right. So so that leads me to to ask you, if you will, to tell the story um, of kind of Bryce Media getting started. Um, At least the story I heard of him coming um, in his time in the Army and coming home? Well, he had the genius idea after we invaded Iraq to uh, sign up for the military. Mm -hmm. And um, it was shortly after that, before we were married, that he was deployed. He did a lot of things. We all go through our phases of finding ourselves. Mm -hmm. And his trip through the military was part of his phase and his journey. So he began at ROTC at Jackson State University learning and and doing all of those things. But then he ultimately went to um, the training. I forget what the the name of it is. And he became a paratrooper. And before he, after he finished his his, uh, training and became a paratrooper, he did something else where he was a um, honor guard where he gave the 21-gun salute. And it started to bother him that he was giving the last rights to soldiers that were that looked like him, wore the same uniform and the same age in the casket. Mm. And when he was the he wanted us to start our own thing and do our own thing, but I was resistant because I've been a freelancer before and I know how hard that journey is. So his one deployment in Afghanistan, I talked to him and he was just really, really low. And he said, There are a lot of things that happen over here that you don't see at home. And he said, I'm really tired. He was a photojournalist while he was there. 
He said, you know, I feel like I'm telling the story of those who have passed on, and I want to tell the story of the living. Mm -hmm. So with that was really the birthplace of Bryce Media on the fields of Afghanistan. So while he was deployed, I worked hard and got our EIN number and went through all the paperwork and that good stuff. So I wore his his, uh, dog tags all the time. So when he came home, we traded. I, I, um, he took my, my dog tags and I, and I gave him his business card. Wow. For Bryce Media. For like Bryce Media. You had started the business. Wow. It's, that's an amazing story, Tamika. Thank you for sharing that with us. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Welcome back to the Mississippi Arts Hour on MPB Radio. Each week on the Arts Hour, representatives from the Mississippi Arts Commission speak with different creative people across Mississippi. Today I'm talking to designer, photographer, and visual storyteller, Talamika Bryce. So Talamika, before the break, we were talking about the beginnings of Bryce Media, the company that you own with your husband, Charles. So um, tell our listeners a little bit more about your business and, and what you do. Well, with Bryce Media, we're a full-service advertising agency. We do we specialize. We really do a lot of branding and rebranding. It's one of our favorite things to do. My husband calls me the fun queen. Um, <laughs> we're riding down the the road, and I'm looking. And I'm like, that fun's just awful. Like, I love rebranding businesses, and we work with a diverse group of creatives in order to bring the whole packaging together. Whether it's your wording, because it really lines up with what we. What I said initially is part of our philosophy is that Shakespeare's son at 18 to make sure we're putting something memorable and good and lasting out into the world. So we do a bit of photography, um, event photography, as well as headshots, as well as weddings. And we do a bit of graphic design branding. We rebranded Mangia Benet, the parent company of Sal and Mookie's. Uh, a couple years ago, and you could see like the logo on all their their vans and and those kind of things. Also, we branded Cassandra Wilson's Yellow Scarf um, Cafe when it initially came out, and we were able to photograph Kim Kardashian when she when she came to town. We've also photographed Cassandra as well. We also do website design. And we get to use our hands to get dirty a bit and do murals as well. So uh, we've done a bit of uh, commissioned portraiture. So we just get to, it works well for us and to be able to switch up lanes. And another thing that I've gotten into that just kind of happened was a bit more writing. And uh, that dives more into a project. Writing is actually part of how I started in a sense, finding my voice and finding my words. And now that I am a parent, and my son was born during the Ferguson riots. My It really gave birth when he was born. When both my children were born at different times, it gave birth to different parts and aspects of me. So um, I've blossomed in a sense to be more of the activist and more of the vocal part of our team. And Charles is my backbone. So there's so much there that I want to ask you about. So let's back up. Tell me a little bit more about the writing. You said, like, that's really, you know... Um, you're back, you know, like where? Well, see, well, a lot of people don't know about me. Is that I started like the first thing I really got recognized for was writing, mm-hmm. was poetry, and when I was 19, I won a international competition in Washington D.C. that from the International Society of Poets. I came in the top 10 out of 3,000. Wow! And um, 
I shelved that for a while because I was 19 mm-hmm. and I was in the middle of my art career. So uh, the writing has always been a part. It put it on the shelf in a sense, but uh, through the different elections and through work with Pantsuit Nation, um, the, one of the essays that I've written is a feature in the Pantsuit Nation book as well as a photo, and it is the only, I'm the only Mississippian in that, and I am an active member. I'm also the founder of Mississippi Pantsuit Nation organization, so we do a, a bit more um, just helping people to get out their voices and, and their words, especially with marginalized communities. And is that, uh, just for those who don't know who are listening statewide, um, is that the pri- primary impetus of that movement about getting women in politics, or is it about so much more than that? It's more than that. I think it's one of those of getting quality people mm-hmm. in, in politics. And we have a lot, we have a disconnect with a lot of that, even when it comes to MPB and and how things are structured, how important it is. And, and there are so many aspects that I love about when I turn on that channel and I sit, you know, I have my children in front of it for a time, just the little songs that come up when they're able to see different people and different communities and how it's reflected, how important that is and how important that the arts are to the world. They're universal language. Mm-hmm. So um, all of those different aspects really play a lot into um moving forward with, with what we're doing and the importance of art. It was really cool when we were doing the mural that my son was there and he saw some of it. So for as long as he say, Mom, I'm an arter, not an artist, but an <laughs> arter. So let's talk about the mural some more. And we talked about it a little bit earlier, but, um, you know, for, for people who aren't familiar, so this is the um, at the Obama Magnet Elementary School, which was formerly named after Confederate President Jefferson Davis, so Jefferson Davis Magnet. And to my understanding, the students, parents, and teachers voted to change the name Yes. to, I guess, Barack H. Obama Magnet Elementary School is the full name from yes. my understanding, right? right? So then Jackson, Greater Jackson Arts Council gets involved. So tell me about, walk me through kind of from there. From Greater Jackson Arts Council involvement, I know that they wanted to have a mural on the school. Mm -hmm. They felt like it would be good to have a portrait, but they didn't know how to do it. And that's when the Greater Jackson Arts Council stepped in and offered their expertise and also some funding to be able to find an artist because they had the resources. Uh So the Greater Jackson Arts Council did a call for artists to go on the side of the building. And one of these these aspects, I felt like this project is one that really came full circle and that you're talking to the children and asking them what they want. They went through the whole democratic process Mm -hmm. of picking a name of who they felt like best represented who they wanted to be. And just being within that space with the Greater Jackson Arts Council, they took a lot of time and a lot of thought in making sure that the voices of those impacted were heard and that they were able to pick who they wanted and the image they wanted, and I'm very humbled and very grateful that they chose mine. It sounds like um, just just from from what you're sharing about like Ferguson and and then being able to share your your son being able to then see like the the mural and kind of see himself in that as well. Does does he go to that school? I didn't. I wasn't sure if you guys no. had a connection to that school no, or he, not. He doesn't go to that school, but also it's. It's, it's really cool because when he was about two, about my daughter's age, he saw me, he saw the whole process of me painting a portrait of him. Wow. 
And uh, he came, and I had the portrait in the hallway. So it took me about eight hours over the course of two or three days to do it. So I got so far in it, and I remember one morning him getting up he, and grabbing my hand and said, Mama, let's go see Honor. That's his name, Honor. Mm-hmm. And he dragged me to the hallway where I'm painting. He said, See Honor. And then to see it hanging in different galleries, it's been in different places. Just being a little brown boy, to be able to see himself reflected, and then to know that his mom created it is is a, a truly a treasure and, and one of my, my favorite memories of this lifetime. I bet. I mean, if I was him, I think I would feel famous, too, you know, <laughs> 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 to see it, see it out there. Well, tell me about some of the other projects that you've worked on um, that, you know, have just really meant something special to you. I know you guys have done a ton of different things um, and you've been involved in a lot of different things. Um, and a lot of layout. Um, you know, I know you did some work with Alternate Roots. Oh, and, yeah. Yeah. Tell me about, just tell me about kind of your experiences working with, you know, different organizations through the arts to kind of help move the needle. That's been really uh, one of my favorite things to do is to talk to people and and see what it is that, that they bring to the table and use the, the skills that I have in order to better portray that. So, uh, alternate Roots, I think I designed that, I don't remember. I've done a number of things for Alternate Roots. I've even done photography for them. But the project, being able to have free reign, because some of the stuff I do is a bit more corporate. Mm-hmm. And it was really great to be able to work with an art organization because, I, I you know, as part of my, my background, I knew a little bit more about it. And I had a bit of structured freedom to bring um, um, something really unique to the table. So I really liked what they had, and I wanted to make sure that the layout translated into something that was memorable and people were uh, actually enjoyed looking at. Mm -hmm. And it had the proper links, and it was able to be converted to a PDF and all that other type stuff. I really enjoyed that project. We do a lot of work um, at the Arts Commission in creative placemaking. And um, for anyone who hasn't seen... um, one of the projects we're talking about, Delamica worked on a placemaking, um, I guess you could call it a toolkit or a, mm. ma- you know, a magazine of some sort um, for an organization called Alternate Roots, which uh, really works at the intersection of arts and activism. And uh, I would cur- encourage anyone who's interested in creative placemaking or that, that intersectional work uh, to check it out because it really tells the stories of different people working um, Across the South, uh, in that type of, in that type of work, and it's also, as I was saying to you the other day, so well done Thank that you. it's it's um, such a pleasure to read because you're getting to read these these wonderful stories and inspirational stories, but then you're doing it in with great layout and great color, and you know it's easy to do that. I think, to me, design is one of those things where, to I guess the uninformed you might only notice when it's bad, you know, (laughs) like you know that something isn't quite easy to read or isn't quite, you know, the font is hard to, to, I don't like looking at this. Yeah, exactly. And you feel that there's something not quite right, even if you might not know what you would do to change, you know, what you would do to change it. But then you see good design and it's like, and it is just a pleasurable experience. That's <laughs> why um, so one of the reasons I really like um, murals because it, that's one of those things where 
I don't, I've never done a mural, but I know when something is pleasurable to look at versus where it's not quite working. The font's not quite working or it's hard to read. So um, I just think it's, I really respect that kind of work um, that you do because I think it's so important. So let's talk about, um, with that in mind, the the kind of new project you're working on uh, that has a lot to do with layout and storytelling as well. So um, you're working on a magazine about the daily lives and achievements of Mississippians, and I'll let you tell tell us about the rest. Right. Well, when you think of Mississippi, there's a certain image that comes to mind. And anyone that's lived here knows that it's not really who we are. And when you go outside of the state and you say, hey, I'm from Mississippi, people automatically bring that image up. Mm -hmm. So with Mississippi, too, that is something that I've been working on in the background for a while is um, an attempt of rebranding us. And I feel like if Mississippians really embraced who we really are, we would we would really get off the bottom of a lot of lists. One of our major exports is our people and our talent Mm -hmm. and our art. And if we were able to keep that here, that would make the state just absolutely amazing and the shining beacon that it is. So with Mississippi 2, the premise behind that is just I, too, am Mississippi to show the marginalized uh, people that are here, the marginalized voices, to give them a stage and amplify. So we're in the the beginning stages of getting our creative list together and our advertisers, and we're looking to go to press towards the beginning of the year. Uh, Charles and I have traveled throughout the state. That was one of the things when we first started our business. It's a full circle moment. We first started our business, and we would go to these different places and see these absolutely beautiful people and beautiful scenery. And when you would search online for the state, that is not what pops up. Mm. It's almost like the drunk uncle always takes the mic. Mm. And we're kind of, you know, at Thanksgiving dinner, we're kind of left trying to explain away what's going on. And I feel like with this project, it's really giving everyday Mississippians a chance to take the mic and express who they are. Mm-hmm. So that's the the purpose and the objective of Mississippi too that we're looking to fully launch and getting all our ducks in the row by the beginning of the year. And is it is the goal for it to be a print magazine in print, print and digital? Because uh-huh. the thing of it is, when you do print, there's so much cost incurred with that. But a lot of people aren't online, and I wanted. Well, we're working on it being more of a community. You can find it online at Mississippi Two Facebook Mississippi Two. Um, and that will explain more uh, about it, and also Mississippi2.com, Mississippi2.com. Okay, Mississippi with the number 2.com uh, to learn more about Talamica's Mississippi 2 magazine upcoming project. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Welcome back to the Mississippi Arts Hour on MPB Radio. Each week on the Arts Hour, representatives from the Mississippi Arts Commission speak with different creative people living in Mississippi. Today I'm speaking with Talamika Bryce, a visual artist making her mark in Mississippi. So before the break, uh, Talamika, we were talking about some of your projects that you've worked on. Um, And I know that we kind of talked about arts and your work in activism. So tell me about... um, your work with uh, a term I just learned, womanist, the womanist rally. So the womanist rally, I got to back up in a little bit of of how it all fits within each other. So Mississippi, too, has been like one of those things that have been around for a little while. One of the 
and I use I've used it as a moniker for part of the community that have, have done a, a good amount of work and push back about different things. And we've also worked with the Homeless Period Project in order to supply feminine hygiene products to those in period poverty. Um, we have done a number of work. I will say that we were one of the people, a group of people on the front lines, what we called ourselves, to protest uh, Donald Trump's arrival to the civil, opening of the Civil Rights Museum. So hate is one of those things that's recycled. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't, I uh, think a friend of mine said it best, when the Civil Rights Movement came along, we won the law, but we haven't won the hearts. I feel like the way you win the hearts is by talking to people and really sharing your stories. So with Mississippi 2 being a catalyst and with Bryce Media being the same thing, it all falls in line with storytelling visually. So Mississippi 2 is being a catalyst of pushing forward the stories of marginalized communities and voices that don't get heard that much that are within the state. When it comes to womanism versus feminism, womanism is a branch of feminism. And part of it is that... uh, when you look at women getting the right to vote, it was white women. It wasn't black women. And when women were petitioning, white women were petitioning to be able to have an income, it was black women that were cleaning their houses. Mm-hmm. And with the womanist rally is an aspect of uh, some work that I've been doing with Women's March National. The 2018 Women's March that we had here, I was one of the the people contributing. And for the last year, after Kavanaugh and after a a couple other things, um, we had some people that kind of bowed out. So I took the Women's March here and made it into something that uh, I felt would really help the community by amplifying the voices of women of color. Mm -hmm. And we had some great speakers last year, and we still have the same. Ebony Lumumba came aboard, and we... um, Deborah Kasoff, Rabbi Kasoff. Also, we had um, it closed out by Flunzy, civil rights icon Flunzy Brown Wright. And it was really great. To, and that's part of it is to be in the space and listen and learn from each other. So with the Womanist Alliance now is what we're, we're calling ourselves. All of this we're forming into a 501c3. And our goal is to really be able to have the tough conversations to move the state and to move our community forward. Wow. Um, this is, I mean, just powerful work you're doing. How do you see, and, and if and not, you know, that's fine. I'm just curious. How do you see the arts playing into kind of some of this this work like particularly for artists out there who might want to get involved or well we're working on a lot of that we're working yeah. with some different playwrights because I I can't be like an artist and have a 501c3 and I do art right. at the same time so with the one where this year for it being the the womanist rally we're having a womanist weekend and we're going to start that morning with the rally traditionally like the women's march that night we're working on a combined art show with myself uh with three women of color myself sabrina howard and adrian dominic some amazing women that i look up to and it's really great because we even though we're where uh, all three of us are black women, our art styles and our approaches are so different. So it really shows the gamut of what's out there and what Mississippi has to offer. The next day over, we're looking at a combined retreat 
where we're starting off with a type of motivational circle and ending with a drum circle. And also one of the uh, last days is the, that Monday is our um, active service in gathering feminine hygiene products and then having some um, art and spoken word at the Civil Rights Museum. And then the last day, that Tuesday of the weekend, all this is being um, formulated out is what we're looking to do a resolution and, and agree on women's agenda because women are the backbone have always been the backbone of a lot of families so to be able to provide them the resources that they need in order to move their families forward also moves the state forward absolutely I've always heard the idea of you know empowering women means empowering complete families yes. you know and that's I, that seems to be true across the world yes. that's not just a Mississippi thing or even an American thing right. that women will take care of the household um, often often even ahead of themselves you know so that definitely that care for women goes so much further um, in many cases um, so I'm so glad you guys are doing that also um, I think it's so you, you said it so well, this idea of kind of in, integrating the arts into this type of work, because I talk to people a lot about arts and activism or arts and, you know, other types of things. And sometimes I feel like people who don't identify as artists feel that they don't quite understand how how those things could work together. And when you say things like having the drum circle and, ha you know, and telling stories and um, really illustrates, I think, for people how those things can work together in a way that don't seem like trying to force two things, you know, to go together. Well, art is always around. And, and we're, if we look at the dates of everything, uh, we're on the anniversary of the death of Emmett Till. Mm -hmm. And it was his mother's decision to show those photos that really change the world in a sense. When I was in college, we were taught that art is anything that provokes emotion. So when it came to the Emmett Till photos, when it came to the photos of people being beaten and brutalized that were on the front pages, it really catalyzed the country to, to be able to say that we can know and we can do better. So with everyone, all the artists that are around, we're each recording our own section, but our voices all matter. So it's getting it out into the world so that they can see and make better decisions to move us all forward. So... Um I'm just kind of curious about some of the work you're doing kind of on your own as an artist, too. Like, um, tell me about, are you doing much painting? Are you doing much drawing? Are you, you know, obviously well, you're very busy with a lot of the stuff <laughs> you're doing, and I know you're doing more writing, but but I don't know. We all have kind of what we're working on and then the stuff we're doing over here on our on our own, you know. Well, a typical week will start, like, this week I've been finishing up a website. Mm -hmm. So then it transitioned for that. Like, this is a typical week for me. I could have a photo shoot that morning, a meeting later that day, the next day over a website, the next day over painting, and the next day sending some writing over. And that works for me. Mm -hmm. That's just me personally. So while I'm doing those, it's a team behind me that are also putting together to get proposals for different types of logos and, and, um, making sure our social media is up to date and 
and all those good things. So, and I, what, I, what I realized is one of the last corporate jobs that I had that I absolutely loved, and I created a, and I could even shout them out, Methodist Rehabilitation Center. I really love that job. And um, I, that, I still do contract work with them periodically. And I created a brand for them, Now I Can, that's like 10 years old now, myself and another worker. So it's being able to create those pieces. And what I learned after I did it was that I felt as if I wasn't fully utilizing everything that I am. Like, even though I take photos from time to time and I did the layout for the magazines at the same time, I wasn't really painting and I wasn't happy. At some point in time, you got to fulfill your contract, your soul contract of why you were put here and, and what needs to be done. And I found myself being all the better for it. So what... um what inspires you about, like, um, whether it's a logo or a mural or whatever it is, is there something that you find yourself drawn to um, to kind of keep that creative juice going? I mean, I've always thought when you're doing art, in a sense, full time, you know, yeah. then it then it's difficult to feel like that creative energy is is constantly coming. So... What I found really is just relaxing. I, you know, oh, wow. through, throughout the years, there's been a lot of anxiety and a lot about this. And I realized I survived all those things that I thought were going to eat me alive. Hmm. I really did. And I uh, recently had a birthday. And one of the things that I've made a pledge to myself this year is to walk forward each day in love and not fear. And when I do that, I'm able to, like, my mind opens up so much to so many different possibilities and ideas. And it, I've created a safe space within, which is what we're all looking for, that mm -hmm. safe space. We didn't have it growing up. You didn't have a place where you can go and just be. Inadvertently, you will create chaos in your life that same way. So when you recognize that you are worthy of a safe space to be, it's like you can almost sit in that comfort and sit in yourself, and it's really nice. And and that's what I've been working on. Wow, that's that, that's not, not what I would have guessed. That's really great <laughs> uh, advice, just to sit in that. Um, I'm such a thinker and doer, and you know I don't slow down much enough for it to come. I'm searching for it so hard. But so a lot of times I, I've I've been there too. But it's already there. Everything right. you, you're searching for was already there. You just have to sit and rest in it. So um, this 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 is the I guess I would call it the fun fact segment. Um, so I don't know if this is this is right or not, but I just have to ask. Um, I read somewhere that you were uh, spent some time as a cast member at oh, Walt Disney Lord. World. <laughs> That's too fascinating not to ask you about. Uh, yes. Can you tell me? Can you tell me the story of that without getting sued? Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, the highlights. <laughs> um, was it my? Freshman year of college, I signed up to be a Disney cast member. I'm giving you the PTA version. Uh -huh. And um, I spent a semester working at Walt Disney World. So many things. It was basically like the real world without the cameras. I mean, people <laughs> that remember the real world, it's like the real world without the cameras. And one aspect, actually, that I take from this, I don't think any children are really listening, but when I was going through the tunnel and... I was a mascot once before, another fun fact, in high school. Uh -huh. So as I, as I was going through the tunnel of Magic Kingdom, when you know, the we're called cast members. When the cast members get to go in the backside, I remember passing by and seeing 
the uh, mascot and the head of Mickey Mouse, like the head of Mickey on the shelf. Uh-huh. And it was very jarring for me in a sense. And it was like the death of all magic. And you realize there is no magic. You just have to work hard. So a lot of times when it comes to things where uh, I tell my husband a lot of times where you worked really hard and you got into something and then it didn't quite turn out the way you want to. It's like the headless Mickey syndrome in a sense where you realize that, you know, there is magic in a sense, but it's not what you thought it was. Wow. What an experience. (laughs) I just had to ask you. Um, I can't imagine. I mean, so is it like... I keep asking, but it's like a summer basically that people you go. You can do and a do year, that. yeah. Okay, so here's the sucky parts. All right, so you um, you do live, you can you can spend a semester, mm. or you could do the summer. Charles did a summer after I did at Blizzard Beach. He was a lifeguard at Blizzard Beach, but you do the semester, then you work in the park, and then you they also have housing where you stay with people that the whole real world aspect that you've never met from different parts of the world. Mm. Um, and then you learn everything. I mean, I still know the Disney point of how you direct people here and there. And it's one of those that really teaches you a lot about customer service on, on how to make it the most magical place on earth. And then just meeting people from all over the world and how we really became a community. I have a lot of good memories from there, but I also remember getting my first paycheck from there. Mm-hmm. It was like $8 because they also take out housing while you're there. And I went to punch Mickey, but I couldn't find her. <laughs> <laughs> Mickey's always a her. I could have found her. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, Mickey's always a her. Wow, that's blowing my mind with <laughs> these, <laughs> these stories. Well, um, as we wrap up our interview today, tell me, is there anywhere um, you want to tell people where to find more about the work that you're doing? Absolutely. Uh, you can find out about our company on Bryce-Media.com, B-R-I-C-E. Uh, you can also find out more about me personally on my developing website, Talamika, T-A-L-A-M-I-E-K-A dot com. And you can find out more about the Womanist movie on, uh, at Womanist, W-O-M-A-N-I-S-T-S dot com. Great. Well, thank you so much for joining us, and uh, and thanks for indulging me with, some, <laughs> with uh, your answers to these questions. Um, I've really enjoyed our conversation today. Likewise. Um, and I want to thank all our listeners for listening to the Mississippi Arts Hour. If you missed part of this interview or want to listen again, you can go to mpbonline.org backslash Mississippi Arts Hour. And be sure to tune in each week for the Mississippi Arts Hour, a co-production of MPB Radio and the Mississippi Arts Commission.